It was during the time of the Cold War, and communism and our own way of life were very much in people's minds, and he was speaking to that subject. And suddenly, though, I heard him saying, I love my little girls more than anything, and I said to myself, oh, no, don't, you can't, don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on, I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God, than have them grow up under communism and one day die no longer believing in God. Okay. All right, Nathan, you want to go ahead and, um, well, do you want to go over what we're going to go over real quick or what? Uh, Where did you want to start? I have some like just opening questions about for Dell for about like uh, what's it like being a conservative podcast host? Um, what are some of the things you've experienced being a uh, media <laughs> figure? And uh, yeah, I, I'll start with that. All right. All right. Go, go a bit into socialism after that and capitalism yeah. and all that. So go ahead. Anyway, my name is Dale. And as far as being a conservative podcast host, I haven't got a lot of feedback yet. I've got, I've gotten several good reviews on my podcast. I've also uh, I've had no blowback on some, some of these things. I thought I was going to get a lot of blowback on some of my socialist, uh, not my socialist, but I've got it on my mind. Some of my conservative views, because I know there's a lot more, there's a lot of people out there who are on the left who are um, wondering about what I'm, you know, and I thought I would, and I just haven't got a lot of feedback from it yet. And being around town here, I don't, it's just a normal day, but I get a lot of harassment from my roommates, both of which are conservative, but. Do you think that conservatism is on the rise? I mean, do you think it's growing among people? Do you think more people are catching on with it or what? Because uh, the midterms the other day didn't seem to do so well for, or do you think that it's because they strayed from conservatism? I don't think conservatism is growing as much as we would like it to. And the midterms were a complete and utter disaster for the conservative side. I am not a Republican. I am not a Trump supporter. Although I am conservative, I my my guy was Ted Cruz during the 2000 election, and I still support Ted because I like what he has to say. However, I, I liked Trump when he was president, but I didn't like his shenanigans, a lot of his stupid uh, tweet tweets, the so-called mean tweets. I didn't care for that. I thought that was just being idiotic instead of being presidential. I don't think he acted very presidential at times, although some of the things he did I liked, like reducing the, uh, um, what is that? My memory is going really bad, so I'm having problems there, but lowering the uh, capital gains tax. And I didn't didn't think much of his of his, uh, I didn't think that was going to work too well. I, proved, I was proven right on that. Well, I think that the tax reform was kind of bipartisan, don't you think? Both parties kind of jumped on that one. Well, they had to. I mean, the Democrats, the left was kind of forced into it because it was getting so much support to lower it, in I my opinion. 
I think the Democrats have typically been on the side of lowering taxes whenever it comes to, say, corporate taxes, their taxes for the, you know, yeah. well, the upper class. Yeah. We go back and we, and I could say I'm a history buff. And one of the things that in 1913, that's what they said. We're only going to tax the, whether we got our income tax, the thing that they, the big selling points, and it was Woodrow Wilson, who was a Democrat. You said we're already going to tax the rich at seven percent. It's never going to go higher, and we're never going to tax anybody but the rich. Well, we've seen how well that's worked over the last hundred years. You know, Dell. Um, I'm curious because at this point, I, I could see like conservatism going two ways. Like some of the people supporting yeah. Trump uh, would say, "Yeah, let's tax the rich. Maybe mm-hmm. have some." I don't know, do something for the work or whatever some of the Trump supporters may say. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, you have the conservatives who were associated with the Tea Party and before who might say, no, we need to keep cutting taxes. We can't do any handouts. I'm curious what you see, what what you make of this like p- potential uh, rift between, you know, people who supported Ted Cruz versus people who support Trump or, you know, Trump-like characters. Well, I think it's going to come to a head this coming in two years, because I think Trump's going to run again, and I don't know who's going to on the Republicans. I don't have a clue except for maybe Ron DeSantis, whom I would support as opposed to Trump, and he's one of those with lower taxes. Let's you know, he, Governor DeSantis has done a few things that I'm not real happy about. Uh, that's what I'd like to uh, I'd like to ask about is. When it comes to DeSantis or a figure like that, don't you think, uh, I think this midterm kind of showed the culture war stuff doesn't really play too well. No. And DeSantis is a big culture warrior guy out of Florida. I mean, he had the whole woke Disney thing and all this stuff. Do you think that playing that game nationally is going to do him any favors? Because that's what he's kind of famous for at this point. Yeah. And I think he's going to have to move more towards the moderate side, the center, to win an election on the national level because of that whole thing was that's the one thing i wasn't happy about because he put all that stuff from disney onto the counties in florida i don't think it was right right Disney uh, special so that's, tax status yeah right and he should not have taken that away although disney was being in my opinion being very opinion uh woke about it which i'm not a big supporter of for a whole for a lot of reasons well, when it comes to say being woke, what would you what would you say that I mean, the corporations who run media and television and things like that, there's yeah. only about three or four of them, and I would say they all kind of abide by the same ideology. There's six of them. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so off by, off by a few. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, actually, there's, Mer- there's actually but, six companies that own practically every media outlet out there. But, yeah, like say like this, but Disney's you know ABC, it's Marvel, it's all these things, different things. Yeah. Um, you know, do you think that? say the woke ideas that they kind of put through in their films and television and things like that. Do you think that they're doing that because the market's responding to it? Do they think that it's a greater market share that wants to see things like that? Yes. Or do you think that this it's forced on them and then the market ends up responding and thinking they want more of it? I think it's a little bit of both. The market goes where the media goes and the media goes where the market wants to go. And I, I haven't seen the stock market lately. I don't watch television. I don't even have it. I've got my monitor here on my computer, which is a television, but I don't ever watch television. So I don't know what 
You know, that's one of the things I say in my introduction is I don't put the news of the day mainly because I'm not, I have on my phone, I get a lot of news breaks and and stuff like that to see so I keep up on it a little bit. But on a day-to-day basis, I don't keep up with it all that well. But I believe the media is, you know, controlling what's going on in the market, and the market's controlling what's going on in the media, because I think they follow each other pretty closely, in my opinion. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. That's interesting you put it that way, because, like, in some ways I can see big media companies who – we can say they're monopolies or mm-hmm. becoming monopolies, right? Cartels, at but least. Cartels, at least, sure. And uh, they're uh, influencing the markets, and the markets are in turn influencing the cartels. So I'm curious. Um, you're a big free market guy. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is fair to say I am free market, yes. So when it comes to media and how media influences politics, I'm curious – what are some of your thoughts about that? Because it seems like there's some conservatives who say we have to go after big tech. How does the free market idea, advocacy of free markets, interact with this conservative push to go after big tech and what? Well, they want to break all the business up is what they want, what the Republicans want. To break, you know, things like Microsoft and, and Facebook and Twitter. And I'm not in favor of that, even though they're becoming close to becoming monopolies. Right. Especially between, we've got two big companies. You got Apple, and you got Microsoft, and that's it. That's not a lot of competition. They do need to be more competition, but I don't believe in breaking up businesses. They're their own business. They can do what they need to do for their own, for themselves. But that also, as big as they've gotten, they control so much of the market that nobody else can get in. So I'm in a quandary as to exactly what the answer is to, without breaking, like they did with AT&T, and we've seen how, how well that worked. You know? Do you think there could be some, I know, I know you don't like this, but the state could make some reforms to actually allow competition rather than, I don't know, maybe you could say exclude lobbyists who write laws in favor of Apple and Microsoft. You know, you could have something that keeps these people out of government it's not necessarily lim- it's expanding the state but in an order in an effort to limit capital's effect on the state yes and i'm in favor of lim- eliminating ca- uh um pastry call- altogether yeah i yeah lobbyist. i can agree I'm with that i'm totally in favor of getting rid of just getting rid of the lobbyist i did an interview with a gentleman who i don't know if you remember 2015 this gentleman landed a gyrocopter on the Yes. Capital. Yes. Well, I interviewed him. One of my first interviews that I did when I started doing interviews instead of just my own podcast, my audio. And he had some interesting things to say about how to get rid of the money out of Wall Street. Not out of Wall Street, but get money out of politicians. The name was um, Douglas Hughes was his name. I'd be interested to see. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear what his, what his ideas were because I don't know why he did that. Yeah, well, he did it because he wanted to, he wanted to deliver 535 letters to Congress, one for each senator and representative, telling them his idea to get money out of politics. So that's what he wanted. That was his goal. What was his? What were his ideas? 
His idea is you take a Democrat and a Republican or whatever brand you want to do it. I'm a constitutional conservative myself, but and you say, okay, you get the two of them on the same stage at the same venue at the same time and say, I don't agree with that gentleman over there on 99.99% of the things he says except for what? I will not accept robbing money. And the other one does the same thing. I will not accept robbery or any money from PACs or anything like that. Just graduates and start this at the precinct level, not nationally, but at the precinct level. Yeah, I can tell you. They, they, there are consultants coming in at the precinct levels who are trying yes. to get money. They're trying to make money. And right. I recently ran for school board, and I got called by consultants who are trying to make money. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So we start at the precinct level and just say, I don't agree with you totally. Nothing you say I agree with, except we need to get the money out of politics. And this is what I pledge to do, except no money. And then, and this is where him and I disagreed. I'm a big supporter of term limits. Yeah, I um, I mean, how? What do you what do you think of them? Do you think they should there should be them on Congress and? But not just Congress, but on everything. On all bureaucrats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we got a career we got a career bureaucrat who's in there for 20, 30 years. You can't fire them. All they can so you, do is die or retire. You're talking about the deep state, then. They don't want to do that. And I say yeah. this with my son working, working at the Commerce Department. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's the deep state, right? That's what yeah. it keeps the wheels going no matter what. Um, and I, I would agree to some extent. I, I think that there are, obviously, uh, look at, I think, the CIA and the intelligence agencies, the bureaucrats there who are kind of there for life. They've mm-hmm. been making bad decisions for the last 50, 60 years, and they continue oh, yeah. to do so. Henry Kissinger decision. still advises people on foreign policy, which is shouldn't be allowed. It, that should be illegal to listen to Henry Kissinger on foreign policy. They've been senile. The yeah. guy's been senile for 50 years, in my opinion. I never did like Kissinger. No, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, I think he kind of manipulated. I, I don't even go as far as to say the man manipulated Nixon, who was the last, like, true, like, deep anti-deep state president. Yeah. So. To a lot in the Vietnam War. I think that Kissinger kind of had a had him on a leash. He yeah. would keep him segregated from everybody else, and it worked really well for him. But, it did work well for him. Yeah, he got everything he wanted. But going on, um, I don't know. So, what do you think going on now? Obviously, the Republicans have lost the midterm. Well, Republicans yes, did not did. win the midterms as much as they thought they would. No. We don't know what's happened yet. No. But, well, um, I do know that Democrats retained control of the Senate. Yeah, it it seemed well. There's still the runoff race between Warnock and uh, Walker. Yeah, Walker's going to lose that, but they won it anyway, thanks to Nevada. At least I hope. I don't like Walker at all, and I don't care for the Democrat, but I don't want Walker in there. The guy's too volatile. He's too wild. You don't think he'd just be a rubber stamp, or you think he'd just go off if he got there? I think he'd just go off. (laughs) I thought he'd be a rubber stamp. uh, We could go either way. but Nevada, was it Nevada, won the Democrat seat and gave him fifty, gave him fifty seats. Okay. So no matter I, what happens in Georgia, it's going to be fifty-fifty again. Okay, so the House is still up then. Yeah, House is still speak. up, so as I know, as yeah. far as I know. So with that going, what do you think? Um, you are afraid that the country's moving a bit towards socialism. What do you see as signs of that? 
uh, this big push for socialist socialist medicine, or this big push of uh, taking the there uh, we go with my memory again. What I'm socialism, you know, in, in, has never worked efficiently, and they say it's because it's never been properly implemented. And I want to know is what's properly intro- implemented. Um. Well, and we it's could probably go on for yeah, days we could have that. a big discussion on that one. Yeah, I don't see socialism as because at some point, you know, you're going to run out of other people's money to quote Maggie Thatcher. And that's yeah. my big problem with socialism. So no, I taxes, would say go ahead. Maggie Maggie Thatcher and Ronald Reagan and all these people. They managed to financialize the economy to the point where we're no longer production economies. No. To, uh, you know, they were highly reliant on things like stock indicators for our, you know, economic output. And I'd say that financialization yes. of the economy made us kind of a post Fordist, post production economy where we no longer yes. can compete, where we're see, you see capital trying to stake out new places to make money, like the metaverse and things like that. Yeah. So I would say that this creation of money out of nothing actually came from capitalism under, you know, the neoliberal revolution where financialization was made the, you know, the name of the game and uh, production was left to the global South. Now, yeah, we, our production is very poor. We just don't have the production capacity we used to have. We've got away from it. Like you said, part of that happened, not only under, uh, Reagan, but Carter started some of that himself. Carter, in yeah. my opinion, although Carter was a highly ineffectual president, in my opinion, he did a few things, and that was one of them. The the uh, oil embargo of the nineteen eighties was, or the seventies was part of Carter's when he tried yeah. to rescue the hostage. Destined the downfall there. Well, and right. the state of Israel was a big problem still. Yeah, yeah, and Israel still causing problems. I support hey. Israel, but I think that I think they're, they're doing things kind of take on the world and bombastically, bombastically, is what I'm trying to say. And uh, they're just not going to be able to do it anymore. I'll say a positive about Trump is when he learned that Israel expected American troops to die in the war with Iran. He was out. So yeah, I'll give him that one. Yeah, he didn't like learning how they actually thought it was going to go. What do you think? Of, yeah. I'm, I know we're kind of wandering off topic here, but what do you think about Palestine then? I support a Palestinian state. Okay, interesting. And I don't know how it. I don't know how it would work. That's a very small area to have two countries in, but Palestine and and uh, Israel separate. Okay, so you're for two state solution. I'm, a, I'm for a two two state solution. Yes, because I, I I'm anti. I'm not. I'm a capitalist. I'm not a warmonger. <laughs> so right. I don't, don't. I don't like. You know. I'm. I'm a veteran. And I. I'm just not in favor of shooting wars. People can get hurt. Do you think too that we could have more programs at home if we had spent less on say giving Israel the tear gas and the bullets they're using to shoot over the you know, yes. into the Gaza Strip. Yes, I am a firm believer in taking all of our troops from countries like Germany, France, England, all these yeah. countries in Europe that we have been there since World War One, and bring them home. 
Yeah. And then and we can think, reduce the size of our military. Do you think some of that money could go back into spending here then? I mean, do you think that could go yes. into social programs? Like, do you, do you believe in some type of, I don't know, I, I, it, even under conservatives, say post New Deal, like there was food stamps and things like this. Yeah. You know, do you think these should still be programs that are, you know, under a capitalist state? Should there be some type of safety net and not just total laissez-faire capitalism? Yes. Okay. Was, you know, I'm... And for several reasons do I believe that. But one of them is there are people out there, and I, two of my roommates are severely disabled. And they're not able to work. So they need something. All they're surviving on is a Social Security. Right. And I personally am surviving on my Social Security. I'm disabled, but not as bad, not as severely as they are. I could work if I chose to. But at my age, I'm choosing not to. I'm trying to hoping this might get this thing monetized so it'll pay for itself. This yeah, thing. it's tough out there, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's rough. You know, I, I happen to find a niche. You know, there's a lot of people doing history podcasts, a lot of people doing um, history and current events. I didn't find anybody doing both together like I do. So I got my little niche and I'm trying to build it up. But yeah, there needs to be some social programs. I, I, yeah, Social Security. I mean, FDR was a big New Dealer. I mean, it was his whole plan, and he's the one that started with Social Security, and I, that's my money. Right. So, I mean, as, why would you oppose say Medicare for all or something then? Well, and then you're going to get into universal universal medicine, and, and what I know about single-payer medi- uh, medica- medication uh, and hospitalizations and, and surgeries and stuff. I keep doing this stuff. I just got one here a couple hours ago from England where they had to stop everything. They were so overwhelmed. They had to shut the hospital down and devote everybody to somebody else and take some of their patients to other places. And this is not the first time I've seen that where they've had to just shut the hospital down because they just didn't have but we see that here. We see rural hospitals closing all the time because they yeah. don't have any, they don't have the facilities to maintain, you know, uh, any type of facility that people can get to. And we see, we saw with COVID, obviously resources were stretched oh. in here. You know, yeah. there was hospitals that were overflowing. There were hospitals that had nurses quitting in droves. I mean, I think Still. that I, I don't see how for-profit healthcare necessarily made that any better. Well, COVID itself was a unique. It wasn't unique because we had the same thing in 1913 with a pandemic. And my thing about COVID is I'm very anti. Uh, COVID to me was a made-up pandemic, a political pandemic. Now, yes, it was a dangerous disease. Yes, it killed millions of people, and yes, it spread like wildfire. But politically, I believe it was politicized to the point that it just mainly scared people more than they got sick. I mean, if you notice, they gave us all the death death rate for COVID. So many people died today in COVID oh, nationwide. I, I still get updates from the New York Times every day. I don't. But they're not I giving us how many people died of influenza. 
which they used to do every winter. We'd get the numbers of how many people died from influenza, and the influenza killed more people than COVID. And if you dig down, dig down into the, dig down deep into it. And that may be, but I, I would just say that I think that I don't know. It showed that our, clearly our like hospitals aren't prepared for any real no. uh, crisis, right? No, they're not. And there's a good place to take that money from if we can get rid of the get the military reduced because we don't need we need to be on the defensive. We got to watch out for China, not Russia, but China, in my opinion, because it's uh, yeah. They're just so volatile, and with and with two to a certain extent. But Russia, so it's going to collapse again. It's going down, in my opinion, because Putin's got things so messed up in Ukraine. His troops are ill prepared, under uh, supplied, and poorly supplied, and they're drafting people now. And you know, and so Russia, he's going to lose it. They're going to collapse again, I think, and and fairly shortly. So I don't worry about Russia as much as I do China. Well, I don't know. Although Russia China, had the elections, though. I'm well, worried about that. <laughs> I'm yeah, just kidding. They say they say that. I don't know how much of that was <laughs> fake APAC, news. APAC does more to influence elections than yeah. Russia ever did. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Dell, I want to ask you, since we're talking sure. about health care, the welfare of people in general, or their the health and in connection to socialism. So I listened to your interview with Spencer Bishens, mm -hmm. the guy who worked for uh, Social Security yes. Administration and wrote a book about it uh, called Social Security Disability Revealed, Why It's So Hard yes. to Access Benefits and What You Can Do About It. I, I really appreciated that you, you know, as a recipient and knowing older people, you know, talked with this guy and it was, it was, I thought it was a really interesting conversation, but I'm curious, um, when is entitlements or benefits socialism and when is it not? I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. Okay. It's social security is not an entitlement. It's something that we've, you voted, James voted from our living. We pay taxes to Social Security. That's our money. So that's not an entitlement. When you get into the entitlement, when you get into things like, uh, you know, I'm, this may sound like I, I'm being a hypocrite, but I have Medicaid and Medi-Cal. Not Medi-Cal, Medicaid and Medicare. I have them both. Plus I have a supplemental insurance. And because yeah. I do have health issues. And at my age, and not being able to work, you know, I probably could find a job I could sit down and do nothing if I really wanted to look for it. But at my age, I don't want to. I'm tired. But one of the things entitlement is when the government's giving you money. Like this, uh, a good good example, even though that's not a good example. No, it isn't. The... Uh, um, um, Biden trying to give uh, forgive student loans. That's an entitlement. Or when he's giving uh, other free things, you know, uh, like the cell phone, the the so-called Obama phone. Right. You know, that's that's an entitlement. But the now, cell phone is. Uh 
And the cell phone is actually guaranteed for like emergency purposes under FCC codes. Yeah. Um, the way phone lines used to be because yeah. people are using less phone lines. So, I mean, that's, I don't know that it's necessarily a social, uh, even a social benefit program as much as the government wants to, you know, yeah. be able to contact you program. I have my cell phone, which I've turned off, but I have my cell phone that I use every day. I also have three others in my, that are broken that don't work except for emergency numbers. They <laughs> still work. So. Right. But I think the issue is, is it's hard to get, say, an ID or anything like that, or like contact oh, yeah. your, your contact, any like type of state agency without a phone, yeah. because you can't, yeah. especially COVID, you can't just walk in a state office anymore. They've no, all been you closed can't. forever. So yeah. I think that's more of a, you know, if you want access to anything, you're going to need a phone. And I think that's more of that kind of, because I, that did start under Obama, but, but I think it was just an extension of yeah. the FCC. Uh, you could probably make a case for it. I rather doubt it, but that's just me. That's so my opinion. And uh, maybe not. Maybe it's a bad example. But when it's an entitlement, when they're giving it to you and you've done nothing to own it, so to speak, that's a bad way to phrase it. But have it produced to get it would be an entitlement. I'm, I'm, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, oh, I was I just, just going to say that's my opinion. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I want to follow up on that just further. So like with Social Security, we pay into it. And then hopefully if we qualify and all our paperwork goes through and they yeah. accept our whatever is, you know, uh, they, they give us our money back. But I was wondering some, you know, socialists, but also, you know, progressives, liberals, maybe even some conservatives, some of the conservatives supporting Trump, maybe even mm -hmm. um, might say, you know, majority of the population has worked most of their life, and uh, maybe the state should give them or make sure they, you know, are minimal level of health, that they have maybe public housing, this and that thing. And so, like, I was wondering, I just want to push at this idea of, like, okay, Social Security, you know, you paid money, therefore you're entitled to it. What do you think about this further move of like, well, everyone works to produce society. Maybe they deserve to get some of the benefits of that society back. Do you think I'm being slippery there rhetorically or something? Well, I saw Spencer was too with his definition of entitlement. And also Spencer's idea of single of uh, universal income. Yeah, he Guaranteed supported UBI. Yeah, yes, he yeah. did. Yes, he did. Yeah, I thought he yeah. was being, and we kind of disagreed about that because I don't support that at all, mm, mm. you know. But he, in a way, he had a couple of good points, and you, if you was listen to the listen to it, you know what he was saying about it. And uh, but he, and there's a Denver, as a matter of fact, where I live, is giving money. One of is giving some money to the homeless to help them find stuff. And, and what's this money coming from? You know, they give them a thousand dollars, I think it is, and it's not a one-time payment, I don't think. But where's the money coming from? That was broke. Well, we have no money. So here's what the are they thing. This? I, I wonder this too. Would, what would you say about this? Say that you have this UBI program like this in the city, like that, but you reduce the police budget so it's not seventy percent of the city's budget itself. 
would you, you know, would you agree that there's places to take money from? Like I said, the money going to Israel every, you know, every year. Do you think that money coming back from that already coming out of our taxes? Right. And I think that we could gradually, we could actually lower our taxes and provide programs at home for much cheaper than it is to ship all this money abroad or to give the, you know, the police fuel for their tanks at home. They don't need tanks. Okay. I firmly am a supporter of the police department. I am not in favor of any type of defunding, but they don't need tanks. You know, we got to go on, you know, we just don't need them. I mean, there are some programs that the police department make av- take advantage of and get all this surplus military equipment, which I don't think they need. But I'm a former officer and I totally support the police 100%, except I shouldn't say 100% because I don't believe they need all that excess military equipment. Most say- of them are not trained. Yeah, this is not to say I don't, you know, well, I'm not going to say I do support him, but this is not to say I don't support him. I'm just thinking that the idea that there's defunding going on when their budgets are continually increased, even by these yeah. supposedly defund the police mayors like Lori Lightfoot or whoever, oh, well. you know, they continue to increase the police budgets. And it's like, wouldn't this go better? You know, Gavin Newsom increases the police state police budget and the L.A. police yeah. budgets increase. Wouldn't this money go better into like, I don't know getting rid of the homeless eric adams increased the police budget in new york city for a bunch of uh, cops to watch people you know fair hopping over the turnstiles in the subway and yet it all it hasn't done anything so no wouldn't that money be better off like going into say i don't know subway (laughs) subway passes for people who don't have money or something like that rather than paying a bunch of police to stand around and watch the you know the turnstiles i don't want them watching turnstiles i want them watching the crime rate that's going on in the subway I mean, I just had a, I, I get news breaks every day about an, an incident where somebody's injured or mugged or robbed in subways and not yeah, and, and trains. How would you and explain Denver, though, that? It happens here in Denver. Yeah, I mean, how would you explain that these police departments keep putting more police in these subways and yet the crime doesn't seem to be stopping? Well, I don't explain that. I have no answer for that question. I think, and yeah, I yes. just, I want, I know, I mean, I just wonder if it is that they're, they're, they're more committed to crimes, like stopping, like, you know, turn, you know, yeah. fair thievery and things like that. And I think it's yeah. a waste of resources. I, I, and I have to agree with you on that, James, because it is, they don't need two cops watching every turnstile. They need three cops on the, on the, on the subway cars. And here in Denver, it happens. We get it here in Denver, too. You'd think a little city like Denver would be, it's not safe. And we have large police departments that get fairly decent money. Yeah, and yes, I, I there needs just, to be a way. I just think it's a bit much that we have police departments bigger than North Korea's military. You know, I think this is this is excessive, well, but it's a whole nother story. Yeah, um, whole- <laughs> you want to go into history a little bit, Nathan? Ooh, yeah. I, I want to yeah. ask more questions about socialism, but we should probably move on. Yeah, history. You're, yeah. My my my, my thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, let's start simple. Who are your favorite founding fathers or early presidents? Well, George Washington. I just did an interview with a gentleman who did who in, did a book on George Washington. And I found out a lot of things I didn't know about George. So George Washington is one of my favorites. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was the is the top one because he actually he 
he had language in the original document for the Declaration uh, Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. He had language in there to outlaw slavery. And the Southern states radical. made it. He, he did. And the Southern states made him put it back and come up with that stupid compromise that we're still having battles over. That three-fifths so, of the person thing. <clears throat> so that's my favorite one is Thomas Jefferson, followed closely by George Washington. Now, what do you think? Okay, so Jefferson, you said, put, tried to put anti-slavery language in the Constitution. What yes. about Washington? What was Washington's? Because I know for a fact that uh, the Marquis de Lafayette wrote a letter to Washington near the end of his life asking Washington to put his slaves on a land ownership program similar to the Lafayette had done with his feudal wards back in France. Mm-hmm. Washington refused to do so. He did not yes. want to free them as independent farmers. So no. what what do you think his ideas on slavery were? I mean, what did well, Washington did in his will free one slave, his very personal friend. He freed the other ones were freed upon the death of Martha Washington, according to his will. It took a year after his death. It was in 1801 in January, late December, early January of 1801, when Washington's slaves were free. What he has personally thought about him, I, I, I can't answer that question, obviously. But he uh, he had slaves. Every founding father except two had slaves. And in my opinion, it was one part of the culture of the time, which I, I totally disagree with. I'm not saying that I'm in favor of slavery. I'm totally not. No, right, right. No, no. No one's accusing you of that. And so, and he became a slave owner involuntarily. His father died when he was 14, and he was bequeathed through his father's will 14 slaves. So, in that case, what would you say about, say, the ideas the founding fathers kind of covered up? Uh, in, once the revolution happened, the American government was established. Thomas Paine and Adam Smith are kind of minimized yes. in the pantheon of American, in the American Revolution, you know, as whereas the French have the pantheon that includes like Rousseau and Montesquieu and they're great thinkers, right? The pantheon yeah. of the American Revolution sort of wipes out the Enlightenment thinkers who inspire it. Do you think that's a mistake that could have possibly yeah, well, rectified uh, some of these questions? It possibly could have, especially with uh, Adams. I can't remember his last name now. Smith, yeah. Adam Smith. And Tom, uh, Thomas Paine went to, to France to help with their revolution. Right, he was he was he was in the uh, chamber of deputies. That he had to leave. Yeah, and he was Washington warned him that there was not the same war. They were not fighting the same war of independence that we fought. And he went ahead and did it anyway. And that's we, part of the reason he's written out of American culture is because he went over to France, and people listened to Washington and not him. That's part of the reason for. But Thomas Paine, I think, probably could have saved some. And another one that could have done very good if they hadn't treated him so badly. Was Benedict Arnold? Did um, you expand on that? <laughs> oh, they treated Arnold really bad. They didn't promote him. He was an arrogant little. Anyway, he was arrogant, and he was self-righteous and thought he knew better. And he, but the problem is, he was an incredible general, incredible military strategist. And Washington would not promote him. Would not give him command of his own troops. Except for Ticonderoga, which proved how good 
Right. He was put in charge. He won, right? they, yeah, he was in charge of Fort Ticonderoga when yeah. they whipped the, one of the first battles the Americans won in the Revolutionary War was that one. What do you think about Hamilton? I don't know that much about Hamilton. Uh, as far he was one of those ones that I agree with, and at one point he did not want a strong federal government, and he was also against a federal uh, a, a federal bank. No, no, Hamilton pro federal bank. Well, that's right. I got it mixed up. Yeah, he was for Jefferson federal was anti federal right. bank, and yeah. Jackson came back and was anti federal bank later. Right, right. Hamilton. Hamilton is the federalist. Yeah, he was, and and uh, you're right. My 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 mistake. I got it mixed up in my own mind. You, so but I don't know that much about Hamilton to really talk about him a whole lot. I know that he was the first Treasury Secretary. I think that there is there's an elitist branch of the founding fathers, and that's led by Hamilton and the, the Federalists. Not so yes. much Madison, who's kind of you know closer to Jefferson in a lot yes. of things. Yes, he but was. when it comes to Hamilton and um, a lot of, you know, Hamilton's faction that builds the first federal bank, the first bank in the mm-hmm. United States, I think that faction is much more elitist. And that is um, that's the one you see where Hamilton calls for, you know, there has to be a centralized army because of Shays Rebellion shakes them yes. in their boots, which Jefferson yes. is over in France writing letters to Madison in support of. Yeah. You know, Shays Rebellion and. um uh, the whiskey rebellion. Yeah, exactly, and yeah, and Jefferson was Shays was you know during the Articles of yeah. Confederate Articles of Confederation, and Jefferson supports it. Jefferson supports quite a few moves by the states to nullify you know federal laws and things like that. So it's surprising yeah. that he becomes president because he is a radical. Yes, he was, and he became president because of his work on the Constitution and the Articles of Confederation were only supposed to be, in my opinion, I think the way, if I've got remember correctly, only temporary anyway to get us through the war, to help fund the military and support the war. And then was we, that, I think the issue was they didn't fund a central central no. military. They funded, they, they approved militias. Yeah. Yeah. That's because what, that was the that's issue what, with Shays, was they yeah. had to put them down with a bunch of militias, and then Hamilton and Washington saw like, well, we're going to need a central military just at home alone. Yeah. But, you know, Shays Rebellion was, I think, a mistake on their part. They could have handled it a different way, but that's my opinion. And how could they have handled it differently than a rebellion? I'm a big fan of diplomacy. What if the government won't listen, though? (laughs) No, that's the even back then, the government didn't listen to the people. You're right. And you didn't get up in their face. I I mean, Shay's Rebellion represents farmers who had been indentured servants, pushed off into the hills with land that could grow nothing, and then told that they owed taxes. You know, these are people who could not even produce the taxes and could not produce goods to trade or like get any, no. you know, any actual currency for, you know, let alone trade. But so they, I don't I know what the, I, they were supposed to do because they had no recourse at that point where there was no land to well, give them. It, no, there was, we just didn't know about it. Well, we did know about it. I would say that the British cut it off. You know, there was the right. proclamation of 1763 that cut it off. Oh, that's right. I forgot about this. And we kind of abided by that for a while until we opened yeah. up the Northwest Territory. I'm in Michigan, so I know a lot about this part. 
yeah, I, I, I haven't been up that far north, and uh, I didn't know about the. Uh, I did know about the when the British cut it off. And that's where the war of uh, part of that was. Uh, it was the Tippy Tunnel and Tiger too, or fifty four forty or five. It was a battle. Was a presidential two presidential campaigns. Right, and there was also the period where the United States tried to keep it cut off as well. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't want uh, conflicts between settlers and the natives in those areas. No, you know, and so say they were having like the Great Lakes areas and stuff like that. Well, they were having enough problems in other areas with the natives. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. That was the whole South. Yeah. The South turned into a problem because you had the Cherokee Nation down there and all these native yeah. nations that had become recognized by the United States. Yeah, the Seminoles. Yeah. Seminoles. Whipped up on Seminoles in Florida, whipped up on the U.S. Army quite quite forcefully. Well, everyone got on. everyone had their own teams. I mean, I, I think. Yeah. For, um, I don't know. Do you think that the the French Revolution is a sort of divergence point of classical liberalism, where things go, where the left comes out of, and the modern conservative right kind of comes out of the American Revolution? Mm, I think it's a little bit late after that. When the conservative movement starts, you know where we get the term conservative from? Well, it's a that? slam. It's an insult. It came from Franklin Roosevelt during his second or third term run for office. He labeled it Republicans as conservative, and it was supposed to be an insult. That's where yeah. that comes from. Oh, I think so, it can apply. The funny thing is, it can apply to anybody now, right? Yeah, because it can. A, a Democrat trying to preserve Roe versus Wade is a conservative, technically. Like, they're well, trying to conserve the way things were. They well, are conservatives. Both parties yeah. act as conservatives now. Well, in my opinion, the Democrats and the Republicans is about that much difference between the two. Yeah, Couldn't even well, find a piece of paper, in, in my opinion. They're both so corrupt. They just need to throw them all out of office and start over, in my opinion. So would you say you're committed like small R Republican then? Yes. Okay. Fair enough. I, I like that. I, I, would call that yeah because i'm not you know like i said i'm a con I, my party here in colorado is the constitution party which is a very small uh, small party we, we don't have any seats anywhere and we're not going to get any for a long time but it's just my way of saying i'm not a republican i'm not a democrat you know and progressives you, know, you mentioned them earlier nathan that that um the progressives and that comes out of theodore roosevelt who was a republican president before in the 18th, late last president in the 1800s, before Woodrow Wilson became president. Democrats and Republicans had progressives well, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did. And and uh, uh, Roosevelt had the Bull Moose Progressive Party. Even I'm here. Yeah, I'm here where the Republican Party started as an anti-slavery party up in Michigan. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah I did. This is where it's founded by like actual radical Republicans, like those who had fled Europe a couple of years before and things like yeah. that. You know, there's a bunch of Germans and like Poles here. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I knew the Republican Party started up there somewhere. I wasn't sure where. Yeah, who, Jackson, who Michigan. Was. Yeah. And yeah. this is, um, there's an anti slavery society meeting up in Jackson where it started. Well, wasn't James Buchanan a Republican, President Buchanan, before? Uh, he was the one before Lincoln. Wasn't he a Republican? We were just discussing. He was a Democrat. And he he probably did a lot of things like the Mormon War, which we were talking about that. uh, Yeah. 
th- there was a, a book written about him recently by a historian. Maybe it was a couple of years ago, but uh, arguing that uh, Buchanan was trying to give the seceding Southern states time before you had a full blown civil war. It was mm. the argument about Buchanan, but uh, yeah, Democrat. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. I, I, I've heard it both ways that he was actually a Republican in disguise. Yeah, because Lincoln you know, was the first Republican. Well, he was the first elected president. Mm-hmm. As, but my my point was that Buchanan was a Republican in heart, not in not in party. But if well, he there was, was there was a lot of pressure from Northern Democrats at the time. That's what kind of cut yeah. the party apart at the time. Was you know this is where you had pre Civil War you had the Whigs kind of emerge for a moment there because. Nobody can agree with the Jacksonian Democrats, and then the no. Democrats end up splitting as the ideas of federalism come come under question because Jackson yeah. kind of betrays what they want to see happen. Yeah, well, Andrew Jackson was one of the most corrupt presidents we've ever had. Yeah, well, hey, hey I mean, it worked. <laughs> he made the patronage system work out pretty well. I mean, oh, Tammany he, Hall he, stayed in existence oh, for a long time, uh, and he really messed over the Native Americans too. And I mean, this is with yeah. The and I think there's a question too. I mean, Jackson's vision. We talked about Nathan and I talked about this before you called you. Um, Jackson's vision was every man a farmer, essentially. He wanted this to be a yeah, big yeah. agricultural country and something that wasn't possible by the time he became president. The Industrial Revolution no. was in full swing in Europe. Yeah. And his plan was to kind of give everyone farmland. And that was when the barrier with the West was really broken wide open. That's when Manifest yeah. Destiny hits and the ideas of we're going to farm the whole place. You know, these human yeah. farmers are going to take over and that's his base along with industrial city, like Irish immigrants yeah. and things like that. Yeah. I, I was aware of that because I know that he, he, he was, I don't know what kind of a military person he was, but historically generals have been bad presidents. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you take James K. Polk was not that effective. Yeah. Ike. President Ike, didn't Eisenhower, he, who builds the military-industrial complex and then right. warns about it, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So, you know, generals do not make good presidents. They just I, for some reason. What about Grant? Oh, Ulysses Grant. Ulysses S. Grant was a good. I, I kind of like him a bit. I don't know. I mean, I like Grant. I mean, he was pretty bombastic himself, and you know, they called him an alcoholic, which he wasn't. I mean, he drank, but he wasn't an alcoholic. Right. He, he wasn't. Not any more no. than any average person who's suffering no. from 19th century diseases. Do you, <laughs> do you yeah. think the North screwed up Reconstruction? Yes. Do you, do you think, think more should have been done to like put the KKK down and things like that? Yes, absolutely. They should have. That's absolutely. interesting. The yeah, the Dixiecrats and the Southern Democrats. We can say, agree there, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> that more should have been done to agree to federalism. You should have said no. All the slave, all the slave owners making the apology tour, you know, going to the local clerk and putting their hand on the Bible saying, I won't do it again. It's bullshit. Right. I, I think there's a lot of things that probably could have been done, should have been done. We'd have been in a better place today if they had been done. And we go back into history. Like you were thinking there, Nathan, 1913, the U.S. 1912, the government was not segregated. The military was not segregated, and the government had African Americans in all positions in government. The Navy gets segregated under Wilson. Wilson. And I think FDR has to do that 
in the Navy. So FDR yeah. does that under the Wilson administration. Yeah. yeah, but Wilson not only desegregated the Navy, but resegregated the Navy, but yeah. the entire yeah. federal government. And if that had never happened, I think we'd be, again, would be in a better position with race relations than we are now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, that, uh, you know, there was a lot of things the federal government could have done after the Civil War when, say, yes. state houses are retaken by force by the former slave mm-hmm. owners, um, like South Carolina, like the case yes. of South Carolina. You have these open revolts against the federal government where black lawmakers yes. are kicked out and poll taxes and things like this. That All kinds of tr- things that they did. To, the occupation to, to, shouldn't have ended down there so quickly. No, and they could have done a lot more financially towards helping the former slaves. Yeah, yeah. What money. do you think about, I, I want to ask you about this, Dale. All right, yeah. 40 acres and a mule. Do you think the freedmen, the former slaves, needed 40 acres and a mule in order to secure their economic and political freedom? I want to ask you about that. Well, that's all they're going to give them, no. Mm. I mean, did they need more, really? you think? Well, I don't know if they need more, but not more land, maybe two mules, but, you know, to, to be sarcastic about it, but. <laughs> No, they needed more support. They needed schools. They needed teachers. They needed uh, acceptance in churches. They need more legal protection. And they need more get rid of the Klan faster. Yeah. I mean, and the the, the thing is, right after the war, the country, you know, the southern states went overwhelmingly Republican where votes happened fairly. Yeah. Because there was a black population. Yeah. And... The lynchings were, you know, and they passed all these anti-gun laws, mainly directed at blacks. So they, right. when they attacked them, they would have no defenses. And that's the trouble with all gun laws is they tend to take our guns away from us. And that's a whole other subject I won't get into. Well, it's, yeah, it's a big it's problem true. in Texas and Oklahoma or Indian Territory. Yeah, yeah. I think actually that is something interesting to touch on, too, though, is that it's when laws are taken on that actually seem like they're kind of like tyrannical like this is like, these laws, the first gun laws are like anti-Catholic, anti-native, anti-black, yeah. you know, these yeah. things all start from like, it's, oh, they may end up hurting you later, but the government doesn't think about later, you know, no. and especially under capitalism, uh, in my opinion, because capital is always concerned with the next profit here, the next, you know, the right. next dollar there. Well, yeah. They can't think ahead like that. No, they, if they did, we'd be in a lot better position than we are now. I agree with that statement there on that, James. Uh, they don't think far enough ahead and we get into uh, our gun laws the the mainly just that's the first thing any totalitarian government does is take the guns away yeah i mean it, in some place in some cases i would say no one of my researchers showed me every single totalitarian took the guns away if you're an aryan in germany you could keep a gun if you were Jewish in germany you couldn't keep a gun and very few people could qualify to be aliens. They, they, they were blonde and blue-eyed. That was pretty much it. Hitler wasn't even a blonde and blue-eyed. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a whole other, yeah. He that's wasn't a whole other issue. Anything. That's yeah. right gun control. I just huh? think that, like, I don't know. Do you think that, I think there's a danger here that capital is short-sighted. And when you say, yes. um, you know, the weapons of the future are going to be things like AI and, yes. you know, supercomputing and, there's states like China where the state's directing it and the state has their eyes very closely on what's happening with the development of these new technologies. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's states like here where we've left it up to psychopaths like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. And we tell them, you go ahead and figure it out behind closed doors. And do you think that, that, that the fact that they're out of there for a profit could be a dangerous thing? No. And the reason I say that is I, I'm profit motivated. Now, there is, is such a thing as when they get to points like Bezos, who's totally wackos, uh, and Elon Musk firing, you know, walked in and fired, what, 10,000 people at, or 5,000 people at Twitter. Just all of them, you know? mostly. Yeah. And, and I, I have problems with these. Back in the 1800s, they called them robber barons. These were the people that built the railroads and all the industries like Dale Carnegie and, and, and Rockefeller and all those guys. And I would equate them to the same thing that we had in the 1800s as these robber barons. And now their profit motive, their reason for profit is personal gain. Right, right. But that was what makes me wonder, can they be trusted to ensure our safety at the same time? Whereas... Uh, I don't think China wants to no. develop an AI that might accidentally wipe them all out. Whereas I think uh, somebody as stupid as Elon Musk might do something like that. Well, the thing is, about, the good thing about Elon Musk and the Jeff Bezos and Bezos and uh, he's up there, Zuckerberg. Microsoft, Zuckerberg, no, and Bill, the Gates. Yeah. Bill Gates, oh, yeah, Bill Gates, a couple of them, yeah, yeah, and uh, they're not in the actual development stage, but they're pushing the direction of it. It's what they're doing, but they're not in the actual development stage. And I think some smart person will say, wait a minute, we can't do that. And here's why. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't go there. Well, I mean, Elon says he doesn't, we shouldn't go there, but then he asks, also says that he's developing it. So I don't know. Yeah. I he don't... talks out of both sides of his mouth, whereas China at least says like we're developing it, but the state has a majority stake in it. Right. And even but the thing is, if you'll notice what China, not so much Russia, but China, has a lot of going to a lot of capitalistic tendencies too, because they have they they got a good pretty strong economy and we're borrowing billions of dollars from them every day. But I would say that I think the strength comes from the planning. I think that's where we'd probably diverge from each other here. Mm-hmm. I think the strength comes from the planning of the state. You have um, these ideas like the ghost cities built 10 years ago, like, oh, look, they're empty, but they're, they're full of people now and they're for certain mm-hmm. industries. Uh, yeah. I think that it is the state involvement that's actually managed to do them favors because here we are with, again, these like six cartels in the media or like four yeah. cartels for social media, you know, these companies competing with each other. Yeah. Where we have these robber barons who are out for their own interests. And, and frankly, I liked them better when they were people who drove by and, you know, giant cars and threw pennies at you than I do. I've seen them on Twitter, but uh, I think that you're just seeing the self-interest is going to become a problem. I, I think Elon Musk has already said he's developing AI, but the thing is I don't trust this guy to run Twitter, let alone develop AI. Well, what I like about Elon is uh, not his dumb car, because that's killing people. His self-driving car is killing people. Uh, uh but the space program, I'm in favor of being privatized, that, which is a whole other property. Why, why? See, I'm curious. There's say now with Starlink, people have been complaining about like um, essentially what's pollution in space. You know, these Starlink mm-hmm. clusters, 
uh, Elon's been launching rockets at a you know, breakneck pace because there's no law saying how many you can or can't launch. Right. Um, what do you think about this to the point where this guy's putting, he's the biggest owner of all satellites in space right now. And there's nobody who can tell them to stop launching them. I mean, do you think that's okay? Because that well, is where like fully privatized space goes. I would hope so. And I, I'm not in favor of space, for, excuse me, space, putting up a rocket just to put up a rocket or another satellite we don't need anymore. That, I don't know why he's doing that. I have no clue in why he keep putting satellites up there, but they serve no purpose. And, and we've got more space junk on the moon and some junkyards have on big cities because of but, and it, the question is how do you stop him i mean what are you going to do he's going to keep launching them up there i mean if I, he's going to mr burns style block out the sun here yeah i don't know what he's going to how we're going to do it i'm not in favor of creating another law say mr zuckerberg mr musk you can't watch any more of them. rockets unless you're watching him for nasa you're right. I could see him being. I, so say, what if he stayed, remained a contractor rather than privatizing the whole thing? How about that? Okay, I could go with that. Okay, I, I could go with that. Nathan, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I was curious about this constitutional party since we were talking about you know the reconstruction. Yeah. It was a major yeah. constitutional shakeup. You know, the eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth amendments required right. a civil war and like half of the states to not be able to vote mm-hmm. on a constitution you know, on these amendments, right? So I was, right. I was curious, how do you view uh, constitutional conventions? Do you think the U.S. has it in itself to majorly amend the Constitution one more time? Or what problems yes. do you see there? And what's the constitutional party that you're in like? Constitutional party, I, I'm not real active in it. I just register as a constitutional, so I don't have to republic because I can vote in primary elections in the state of Colorado. It's the only reason I'm in that particular party because I will not claim to be a Republican. I just... Not able to see that. I am so against them because they are so much nonsense and corruption, and and, and, and the whole platform is off the wall, in my opinion. It's the reason that I'm a constitutional member of the Constitution. I am a strong supporter of a Fifth Amendment convention, which is a constitutional convention by the people. That I'm sure you're familiar with. Convention of States, the organization's Convention of States. In fact, is I'm writing, my, writing about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a strong supporter. They get a free commercial out of me every podcast that I do. They get a free commercial. I say, hey, support Convention because they've got a, an agenda. They have to have the agenda when they start the uh, call the convention. They have to have the agenda ready to go. And they've got term limits. They got a balanced budget amendment. Now, I don't know for a fact on this one, but I've heard rumors that that balance of budget amendment they have tells Congress, if you don't balance the budget, you don't get paid. So they have to balance the budget every year. They got, um, what's the other one? There's another big one. I'm, um, well, those are the two big ones that I can remember off the top of my head is term limits, and uh, balanced budget, which I think is absolutely, you know, that'll go a long way to saving us a bunch of money if we just balance the budget. We, every household knows this. If you don't have a balanced budget, you're going to spend more money than, you know, a good balance in your budget. You're going to go broke. I think we'd uh, have some discussion on that one in the future, but 
This has been about yeah. an hour, but yeah, I, okay. you, you got an interesting point of view. I'll give you that. I, I didn't expect a lot of the answers, you know, um, no. you're clearly independent. Yeah. So I'll give you that one. <laughs> um, Thank I you. Know. Um, I guess, uh, where can people find more of your stuff? And, you know, if you want to get out your website and everything. Yes, here, so. my, my website is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash coffee hyphen time hyphen dot uh, uh, I'm sorry, coffee-time-again.com is my right. website. We'll link it in the show notes, too. Looks yeah. like we lost Nathan there, but I'll tell yeah. him he said goodbye. Yeah, I did. Okay. All and right. Thank you. I appreciated this. I think a pretty good conversation. Yeah, thank you for coming on. It was interesting, and we'll definitely uh, send this to you when it's up. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. James, All right. Have, have a good, good night. Have a you too. Bye. Bye. And I'm proud to be a millennial with my side part and skinny jeans. And I won't be told what to wear or how to use emojis. Would you kindly shut the fuck up? Ain't nobody asked you for your opinion anyway. Here's a message from millennials.